What's up, everybody? This is F yeah, F1. I'm Ian. I'm here with my buddy Ryan. F yeah. Yeah. We are talking F1. We're two uh, Americans that are, are pretty new, a couple years into the sport now, and, uh, and super excited about it. And you are on the third episode of our recap of Drive to Survive Season 3. Hell yeah um so, yeah, uh, this, this one we're doing episodes five and six yeah and uh we're getting we're getting into the season both uh, of the show and of you know the 2020 f1 season uh, <sighs> and I practiced think, this weekend this past weekend yeah yeah and it, it was cool just to see the cars back out on the track like i'm starting to get hyped and then uh, i think these two episodes of the ones i've seen so far are my favorite episodes of the season yeah, five and six are definitely uh, my two favorites so far. We still have to uh, have four to go, but, but I, I think uh, I, I think they're going to be strong, strong contenders because I think you know there's uh, it's so, it's such a different experience these these two seasons of Drive to Survive compared to like the first season I watched. I hadn't watched a full F one race in my entire life. Yeah, yeah, and then now like it's more filling in things I didn't know, and I think these two episodes like pull back the curtain a little bit more on stuff that like we didn't know was happening. Um, and I think that's true, especially with episode five, which is called the end of the affair. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts out with Daniel Ricardo um, in basically, I mean, Perth is basically like the outback as far as I'm concerned in Australia. Oh yeah. Uh, and it looks awesome. Like yeah. he's like, you guys want to drive on this truck? And they like, <laughs> uh and they like drive out into the desert i was as soon as i saw him like doing like boxing as like a warm-up i was like oh ian is like even more into than he was before i was i was i mean i was like oh cool i mean like his form's terrible but i was excited (laughs) about him uh in in i I love danny rick i mean it's hard not to it's easy to see how people can think he's a dick for like jumping from like team to team Mm-hmm. but like it was really cool watching this episode and knowing like because the episode's pretty much like pre-season reno and you you were saying to me uh last time like i forgot that danny left reno before the season even started yep yeah it was like and in so- the in the like covid break between like australia and um uh, the first race, the first actual race of the season in Austria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just, it was very, uh, very interesting to kind of see the behind the scenes of how they were, uh, you know, kind of dealing with that. And, and the fact that, you know, he had to kind of convince them, like, I'm still a Renault driver. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm still here. I'm still driving for Renault and I still want to do well. And I think if he didn't have the kind of personality he has, it would have went like 10 times worse. 
Yeah, it would have been like Vettel with Ferrari, which like, you know, the decision yeah. wasn't Vettel's, but like that garage was like ice cold, like watching oh, yeah. watching that episode. And I think, you know, I think it took some time. And I think I think what's really cool about uh, Formula One in general and about this series and the way it covers it is it really does like all these people talk about the relationships and like, mm-hmm. hey, this driver's part of our family. Like these, like, you know, like like the some of the team principals are like, this is my son. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and at least they I like that they at least acknowledge in a bunch of the interviews and stuff how personal it is and how like close these people are, you know, which we talked about last time in terms of like these drivers see, you know, the team principals, the mechanics, the guys they work with more than their families you know more than their spouses sometimes so oh yeah I'm, I'm just glad to see that like openly acknowledged by the people that they're interviewing you know what i mean like they're like yeah the sure. uh, I, I don't remember his name but the team principal for Renault is like it feels like i'm being betrayed you know what i mean like it feels yeah. like i'm losing a family it feels like somebody is leaving the family basically you right. know and uh you know more in in the good sense than in like the mob sense but um you know, I think it. <laughs> he kisses his face. Yeah, I know it was you. Yeah, <laughs> I wish, I wish, just like once, like Netflix doesn't quite catch it, but like you just see in the pits, like like Cyril grabs Danny Rick's yeah. face and just kisses him hard on the face and shakes his head, and Danny looks terrified, and we're like, oh shit, Danny Rick's <laughs> gonna get killed. <laughs> you turn your back on me now. Um... <laughs> Uh, but like, but that's how it feels because it is, yeah. you know, it's all business and it's all personal at the same time. And well, the thing is, I think the thing that kind of makes it very unique is that not only are they dealing with like shocking amounts of money and sponsorships and the constant pressure to perform, but they're also doing something where at least one member of the team every single week could die Mm -hmm. yep like legitimately die and Mm -hmm. die horribly and it's not like that would be something that's never happened in f1 before right and you know so i think like even when you're you're mad at somebody or you're frustrated and like i know that this is you know something that these guys do all the time and it's probably business as usual at a certain point but like you you know I imagine any one of these principles puts a driver in that car and sends them off. And it's like, good luck, man. Like, you know, yeah. be careful, be careful. Mm-hmm. Like as mad as you are, it feels almost like, like a parent when like a kid goes driving off because like the kid and the parent got into a, like a, a fight or whatever. Yeah. And the kid goes driving off angrily and the parents still like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. totally. It's, you know, I, I imagine that there's, that there's something there. Yeah. And it's, you know, and especially with a team like Renault, where you know that the reason, the only reason Ricardo is leaving is because he doesn't, he doesn't think they're being as successful as they all want to be. You know what I mean? And so like that, yeah, that makes it cut even deeper because it's like, Hey, I'm moving on because this thing that we're working towards together isn't getting me as far as I need to go. And, you know, that's, yeah, what an F1 driver needs to do. And as you know, Danny says, like, he's, you know, he's like, I'm getting I'm getting older. I just I'm like 30, 31 now, Uh, you know, and I need to think about like the rest of my career. And if I'm ever gonna, you know, it's, 
I wish this episode went further into the season because I think Ricardo and, and Renault together got better and better as the season went on. And they had a lot of, Oh, they sure did. They had a know. lot of success. Yeah. Even Ocon, mm-hmm. like they had a lot of success throughout the, throughout the season, you know, Renault and I wonder, and I wonder if, you know, if Renault had had the 2020 season they had in total in 2019, you know, if Ricardo would be driving for Alpine this year, McLaren, no, that's what I mean. Like, if he would actually be driving still in that same seat. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, I forgot that Renault turned into Alpine first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to keep up. It's uh, a lot of changes for this year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I think uh, if he had the benefit of foresight, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to say no to McLaren. I totally. Mean, yeah. They're McLaren. And and I don't blame it. I mean, it's it's interesting because it wasn't until I heard him say, like, well, look, I'm getting older. I don't have years to waste mm-hmm. on a team getting better. I kind of get it. Like when you see Lando getting podiums, yep, and Renault is like fighting for sixth, seventh, eighth. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't blame him being like, I want I want to be in that car. It's not like he's you know, Leclerc who can have a bad season at Ferrari and still has another 10 or 15 years to drive, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And it's interesting because, you know, I think as we talked about last year, like having, like, I would love if we could ever get a real answer out of like Carlos Sainz, like, do you regret signing with Ferrari and not just staying with McLaren potentially? Because (laughs) because, like, you know, McLaren had a better season and, and, you know, I think it, it's so interesting to me. And like, that's, that's what the one thing, one of the things I really, really liked about this episode was getting that inside look of like, you know, between this and Ferrari, like what happens when a driver leaves and you know, so far in advance and, you know, the clip that they played a couple of times to preview this episode was Christian Horner and being like, Oh yeah, it's like you broke up with your ex, but she hasn't moved out yet. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> I mean, ex- like exactly what Christian Horner would say, like that is the, <laughs> the like comparison he would make yeah. you know what i mean like it's so fits oh for sure his personality <laughs> i just um, wish that they asked toto so he could be like people don't leave mercedes <laughs> like we make yeah. them leave. right it's like, you're like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> thanks toto um and so you like know, toto forcefully removes people i feel like toto just glares at people until they leave <laughs> it's like the big meeting everybody's yep. sitting at the table and then he just hard stares and somebody just slowly packs their shit and walks out <laughs> he he definitely has like darth vader vibes where it's like i don't want to be in a meeting oh, with yeah. that guy because i don't know what he's gonna say yeah like, right. he just like death grips you from across the table <laughs> yeah exactly and like christian horner is the guy that would like like fire you and like make you pack up your desk and be like oh i'm just kidding <laughs> and you're like i'm happy to have a job did you have to be such a dick like <laughs> yeah it's like i wish i wish that wasn't a thing christian like his joke in one of the early epi- earlier episodes about like oh i guess the marketing department like is taking this work from home thing like really seriously yeah right <laughs> i was like God. all right <laughs> glad you're not Damn, my boss <laughs> yeah right um, oh man uh, I can't. I can't wait until we get to seven, just so we can talk about Gunther and how he would fire somebody. Wow, Gunther would throw somebody through a plate glass window. Um, 
<laughs> you fuck. Slam my door. Yeah. You fuck. Slam door. I love them. I love them so <laughs> much. Too. I don't know how to do any of their accents, but I love every one of them. Um, um, but yeah, so so uh, five, we're getting off track talking about firing people. Uh, they start at Austria and like I feel like because they just came back, like you can still really feel the awkward. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Oh, totally. Like the awkward is still is still really there in a big way. And it doesn't go away for a while. Because again, like this whole episode really focuses on Danny Ricardo. We barely hear anything about Ocon, mm-hmm. which you know, he probably felt great because he got back into F1 this season. Yep. He was taken out last year and and came back in this year. And um and uh I mean it definitely it definitely showed how difficult, especially 2019, Renault had a really difficult year. Yeah. Trying to get everything together. And uh and I think that it really kind of put into perspective the decisions these guys are making because like you were saying before you wonder if they had their 2020 season in 2019 i wonder if the season started when it was supposed to if he would have still made that decision you know what i mean like i wonder if they because like with everybody just sitting around not having anything to do except like playing f1 on twitch like they must have been it must have been eating at them and Danny Ricardo is now wondering like oh if i miss this season entirely like at this at that point they didn't know if they were going to have a season at all right right I, I you're right i do think it creates a sense of urgency and he does mention that like he had been talking like mclaren had been like making uh like passes at him basically uh, yeah. like that like that they had been talking to him for it sounds like a while. And it, it makes me wonder that if, you know, like it's, it's just, it's so interesting because it's all like a big chessboard because there's only 20 spots. And so like, right. if you're McLaren, you're like, well, we want to talk to Danny Ricardo because what if science leaves? What if Lando doesn't work out? Like we want to have, like, I feel like everybody wants to have their options open. Like the way that, you know, oh, Hamilton gets COVID, boom, George Russell's in a Mercedes. Right. You know, like they all have, their they fingers know. like yeah like they they kind of like know. have their guys picked out um you know for the most yeah. part and you know with with some with some exceptions like obviously like Haas like their drivers this year are brand new to F1 mm-hmm. um you know but it's not like they weren't looking at those guys before last season you know what i mean yeah of course i mean like, Mick Schumacher won the F2 championship right and Mazepin's rich yeah um we will try to. Well, if if I had more time to edit these episodes, I would bleep out every time we said Mazepin. I wish you could. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, I'm just gonna auto bleep him from now on. Okay. I think. Uh, I don't want anything terrible to happen to the guy, but I don't think he should drive an F1. Exactly. Uh, and and so like it's it's just really interesting to see how far you know like these decisions don't happen overnight. Right. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on behind did, the scenes and, you know, everything's shifting around. Can you remind me, did Sainz go to Ferrari first or did Danny Ricardo go to McLaren first? 
I'm going to try to look up when Science went to Ferrari. Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to keep talking about this episode um, because I thought it was a really good one, especially like one of the things that I think that Drive to Survive got better at over the course of the three seasons is, I mean, for starters, we didn't get any Mercedes or Red Bull or really much of Ferrari in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they kind of saw how much of a hit it was and they were like, Oh, let's get our, let's get our best guys in there. So now like, it's neat because like you have not just, uh, cause you'd mentioned it a couple times already. Um, it's not just these guys reacting to what's happening to them and their team. Like it's, this isn't just Cyril talking about Danny and Danny talking about Cyril. You also get like Christian Horner jumping in and being like, yeah, like that was nuts. You know what I mean? Like he kind of pops his head in or like you have Toto come in and like that, like you get outside opinions from the other teams who are watching this stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And it just makes it interesting to, to like feed into your chessboard analogy, how much like everybody's watching everyone else and everybody wants to know what moves everyone's making because quite literally hundreds of a second are an an immeasurable uh, amount of time in this sport. And like two hundredths of a second is like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like easily. Oh yeah. Uh, All right. So, so (laughs) there, uh, let's see in the first week at the end of the first week of May, uh, Vettel and Ferrari, like Ferrari let Vettel go. Okay. And then later that same week. So by the time we get to the 14th, um, Ferrari announces that science has signed with them and Ricardo's moving to McLaren. So they basically like have, Oh, wow. Like boom, 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 all like right in a row. Oh, wow. Which I think just proves out what we were saying that like everyone know, like people are making the moves before every, before we all know about them. Right. Like people are talking, people will talk. And And I also think that's a really cool thing about, this show and getting those outside perspectives too, because people know that this footage won't surface for like a year. Yeah. So it's not like, Oh, you know, if, if Toto or Bonotto or whoever, well, I guess they don't really talk to Bonotto that much because he doesn't say yeah. much, but, <laughs> that guy sucks. Uh, but you know, if they talk like whoever they talk to, they know that like, Oh, no one's going to see this for like six months easily. Right. It's right. not going to become a news story in the moment. So I feel like they can be a little less censored. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix keeps it tied down too. So it's Mm -hmm. not like anything's leaking out of there. Um, But yeah, like that's, that's so fascinating too, because like, I just think about, I think about like just the phone calls that are made. And it's one thing that sticks out to me that you said to me uh, when we first got into this with one another, Um, the thing that stuck out was like, it's like it's like if you're into football, but you're watching all of your teams play at the same place every week. Mm-hmm. And like the thing that it's easy to forget is that like all these guys are in the same very small pit lane with one another every yep. week. Mm-hmm. And they all know each other and they're all walking around and talking to each other. Cause like we watch the race, you know, you watch practice for a couple hours uh you watch qualifying for a couple hours you watch the race for a couple hours over the course of those three days these dudes are together the whole time 
Yep. They're walking around the pits. They are eating meals together. They're mm-hmm. going for walks. They're wandering around the track. They're hanging out. They're all talking to each other. So like, it's oh, kind of yeah. neat to see that like all those deals happened within like a week of one another because they were all, that tells me that they were all in motion for a month and a half before it. Yeah. I mean, I think, cause I feel like that was one of the few things teams were allowed to do in that off stretch between the shutdown in March and when racing came back in July mm-hmm. was like make plans for, for this year, because yeah. for a while they couldn't work on the cars. Like right. there wasn't a lot for, there wasn't a lot for anybody to do except, you know, play F1 online with each other and stew on you know what they were going to do yeah exactly exactly um and, and then so the second half of this episode basically focuses on uh racing point it picks up the stuff that that they brought up in the first episode of this season and you know it makes sense to pair them together because Renault was like leading the charge and protesting racing point and their new design um, I think it's really funny that they reminded us that like the whole brake duck thing is funny because that's not like, like you can't see that on the car when you like are like standing in front of it. Like you basically have to like take part of the car <laughs> apart. So it's like, how? Do, yeah, it's like, again, like how do they even know? Like, I guess like, you know, Renner like hired a uh, like photographer with like a really long lens to just be like, Hey, can you just stand around like across from? Yeah. We just lane? need to see that little spot right in the back. For like a while, um, you know, and then to see uh, Cyril, right? Is is uh, yes, yeah, yes. to be like, I hate those fucking pink cars, <laughs> like because they are so <laughs> frustrated with Racing Point, uh, and you know, and then you, um, you know, and then Otmar comes on. He's like, look, like you know, it's clearly like this wasn't a listed part in. 2019 then they listed it for 2020 so it's kind of a gray area and like we're so clever that we figured this out and nobody else did so they can all go screw (laughs) and like (laughs) it's like i find this stuff really funny and really fascinating because on the one hand i feel like I, i feel like even when it first came up with us and like you know even being a casual f1 fan like all this stuff sounds like the pettiest stuff yeah yeah, like, it really it just, fucking does. <laughs> you know, like they're making drama out of nothing. But like we said, like this was putting Racing Point as like the number three team in the field. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. well, you know, fuck that because they're, they weren't following the rules the way everybody else is following the rules. And so, right. you know, they have an unfair advantage. That's why they're getting all these extra points, all this extra money. Uh, it was really cool to see. It, it was funny because, like, I know he's been in other episodes of the series in previous seasons, but this was the first time where, like, Cyril is like meeting with Alan Prost, who I guess is like a consultant or whatever for right. Renault. And I was like, "Oh right. shit, it's Alan Prost!" Like, I know who that is now. Yeah, exactly. We, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, like we watched all those old races. Yeah, he's just uh, like chilling in there, out. and it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, they're all having espresso and they're all bitching about Racing Point. This is great, you know, and. um I think seeing all this stuff play out behind the scenes is just like super fun and super fascinating. I really think that the fact that like Otmar is driving a Ferrari is super interesting. And like, this is the episode where they bring up that they're like, when Renault's talking about how they should be penalized, they're like, they should just let us drive Otmar's car collection around. Like that yeah. should be part of their punishment. <laughs> um, Cause like, he's like, he's not a small dude. And like, he pulls up in like one of those like tiny Ferraris um you know oh, and yeah. it's got like the giant it's like a, it's a on the super window. car yeah. yeah yeah 
uh and it's like and he, he's just like getting out of it the way that like i get out of my honda you know what i mean like it's not a big right. deal for him <laughs> and like i was like god he, tosses he must the have, keys. yeah he's got he must have like so much money so like yeah you know Renault is like throwing shade at racing point otmar is like throwing shade at all the other teams and then like they interview toto and toto's like well i'm not really going to comment but like you know we we believe we did everything in accordance with the rules and like whatever and it's like all right Toto. like it's so funny where he's just like all he's basically like all those other teams are just mad that they didn't do it which is probably fair but like yeah. his attitude yeah. being like well i mean we're mercedes like we would never like obviously they would never buy parts off another team because yeah no they're mercedes right so it's like the fuck do you care <laughs> like yeah right uh and so i'm um oh go ahead sorry oh i was gonna say i just i really just enjoyed like both parts of this episode where it was like we got that super personal story uh mm-hmm. you know with R- ricardo leaving renault and going to mclaren and then we also got this like drama of listed like intense rivalry over like the minutia of the rules around whether or not you can buy designs for a brake duct from another team yeah like, yeah well i mean everybody it, and it's still funny because like the minute testing happened everybody was like that's mercedes from last year yeah and just like and it's so funny because i mean you need to have such an eye for that you know like mm-hmm. i'm any i'm still looking at cars and i'm like i don't know what the difference is you know or like you see slightly different nose or like a little bit different on the wings or the floor is a little different but like overall, I'm like, how the fuck? How do you see that when it's going 200 miles an hour past you? Look, I mean, in, unless that car was sitting next to the 2019 Racing Point car, and on the other side of it was the 2019 Mercedes car, I don't think I would ever pick up on it because, you know, again, <laughs> like the the air intake behind the driver, like that hump, like those designs are all different. The nose yeah, are yeah. all, but it's yeah. so. Like, if you line up all of the 2020 cars next to each other, I'd be like, oh, that's a little different on that car. That's a little different. But to me, they basically all look the same. Like, I know I know that they're not because people yeah. tell me that they're not. And, like, yeah. <laughs> like, when people, like, I watched a video about testing and they were like, oh, yeah, like this, you know, the part on the Red Bull that's uh, in front of the rear wheels has been completely redesigned. And has like a totally different aero package and works in a totally different way. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like, again, I believe you, but like, I don't, I can't pick it out just from seeing a car, even when it's not moving. Yeah, no, I can't. I mean, like I said, you need such an eye for it. And like, you need to be looking at these things all day, every day, because like the way that they were talking about Mercedes floor that they hid from everyone. And then it was revealed in the, in the testing and and they were like showing close ups of it and like circling shit and I'm like what are they even circling like I yeah exactly like, and they're like you see how it's got like these thing and I'm like no I don't see that at all uh, I did um, see the bumps on the front of the I think it's the Alphatari has like yeah, yeah bumps on the front of the nose and it's it's just cameras so they can like evaluate how the arrow is going over the front wing yeah yeah they have like those big like fences that they put on them oh so yeah yeah yeah. Like, those fences are crazy like, it's like what does that even do and then it, uh, it always I reminds mean, me of uh, ford versus ferrari where they have like the giant computer that they try to put in the car and then they just like tape a bunch of yarn <laughs> to it 
Uh, and I'm like, oh, well, we could just go back to that. Like that's, you know, like it's it's yeah, so right. interesting too. That like they have all this technology, like they have wind tunnels, and yet you can't, you still can't quite get the same experience of the car actually being out on a real Grand Prix track in real condition. Right. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so that's, well, yeah. While you were like going over that, I was briefly looking up. Um, I'm trying to figure out the payments to F1 teams for how they rank in the championship. Cause like okay. we've been kind of going on and on, especially when it comes to racing point and how, you know, these brake ducts and like them being petty and all that, that kind of made me want to look this up. And so I don't know how accurate this is, but it seems pretty legit. Um, apparently in 2019, Ferrari made the most money um, just because they have like legacy payments, I guess. Um, so Ferrari got $205 million. Mercedes got 177. Red Bull got 152. McLaren got a hundred. Those are the top four. So like the difference between getting, and then like Renault. So since we're talking Renault, Renault got 73 million in fifth place. So the difference between fifth and fourth in the constructors championship is $27 million. That is unfucking real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unfucking real. And like, it's, that's i mean so when these guys are fighting for hundredths of a second mm-hmm. and like like we were talking about mercedes and how like Bottas was trying to start in third instead of second and like how these guys jockey for position and try to line that up like you're talking about the difference of almost 30 million dollars between some of these teams like it's crazy and like and it's i would love to know too like how much sponsorship offsets that and like like in terms of like you know how many more people's salaries is that you know what i mean like, like yeah yeah is the yeah. just paying for like better champagne at those parties or is it like <laughs> it's gotta be you know oh uh, we we came in seventh in the constructors cup last year so we have to lay off a bunch of people right like, well i, I mean know where that line know. is too you know yeah, at a certain point between, uh, like, if you're looking at um, what, uh, who was it, Aston Martin that doesn't have any sponsor? Oh, no, the Haas team doesn't have any oh, sponsors Williams. yet. Williams, 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 yeah. Williams. They don't have any sponsors yet. And that's why we said their car looks so cool. But, like, if they're only getting $50 million at the end of the year because they finished 10th in the championship, then, like, not for nothing, you know, mm-hmm. what do you, and you don't have any sponsors that are really shelling out. Like you don't have the, the mission winnows or the Mercedes Patronus behind you. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like like I mean, now you're buying parts for cheap. Yeah. It explains so much about how like Haas had to put up with rich energy for so long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which I it's, still don't think that, almost, that was, I still don't think that was a real company. No, like, I still don't point. think it is today. I, like, I think that they're still trying to convince people that they are, and they're not. Um, but it's what's funny to me is uh, that they, um, like, or not funny to me. It actually, it's the most heartbreaking thing. Because, like, when you see 
like a Ferrari or a Mercedes or a Red Bull crash or like, you know, get banged up or whatever. It's like, they're like, <sighs> you see like a, a Williams get banged up and it's like, Ooh, that costs you a lot. A lot of, like, yeah. That's a, that costs yeah. you a lot of money. Like you just, you just messed up big time. Like, I feel like they would rather finish in like the bottom five and not lose a car all year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would probably be more economical, you know, and <laughs> hell yeah, dude, you know, whereas I, I feel like, you know, Mercedes probably has a truck that goes from race to race that just has like spare noses on it. Yeah. Right. It's just got like 15 cars inside. It's just like stacked F1 cars. I feel like I want to find one of these. Cause I know that they exist. I want to find like the F1 graveyards of like the old banged yeah. up cars Oh yeah, dude. Because they they're out there. I know oh, that they're out there. Yeah, they're not in this country, but they're definitely out there. Um, they're somewhere. Yeah, just find like you know the the ones that were kind of tossed away and left out back for parts, never used. Well, and and this is why there's like regulations about how many sets of tires they get of each kind, because otherwise you mm-hmm. could have a Mercedes being like, well, we're just always going to use like we're always going to just use fresh tires. Like we're going to use go through yeah. as many tires as we want every weekend because. Right. We can afford it. And I think to like, this is one of the reasons why I love this sport so much and why mm-hmm. I love this Netflix series and like, and how this Netflix series got me into this sport is because, you know, it's the same, like, I'm going to talk about movies for a second. Cause this, it, I think about them in similar oh, yeah. ways where, you know, I like reading about the, you know, and, and I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm not saying everybody should think about stuff like this, but I love knowing they're like, Oh man, when Chris Evans showed up in Thor the Thor the Dark World for like a single scene cameo, that counts as one of the like nine appearances that he had signed a contract with Marvel for. Mm-hmm. And like thinking about like counting the next like three movies that I know that he's in and like how many are left on that. Or like uh, I read a whole book that was in part based on the Sony email hacks <clears throat> and like how much like okay, like you want to make a mid-budget movie, quote unquote, but you want to hire Will Smith because he's one of the few actors that actually gets people to like leave their house and go see a movie in theaters. But his asking salary is $25 million. So before you've made any more of your movie, you're already out $25 million just to get Will Smith in it. Unless you make him a producer and you bring in his production company and then they're taking a cut of the gross. So he might step back on his salary. But like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm trying to make a movie for $40 million. I can't afford to have Will Smith in it for $25 million. Otherwise, it's just going to be a play that we film. And like, like knowing, <laughs> like knowing, right. Like I know like, exactly how this feels. <laughs> yeah. So it's like knowing all of the like mental calculus that has to go into what ends up on the screen for us to like watch and enjoy and have fun with. It's the same thing with F1 where it's like all of this stuff, all of this business stuff, all of these personal relationships, they affect what happens out on the track and what happens on the track affects those. Like it's, it's all back and forth. Like there is no, like I can totally, uh, you know, totally respect anybody who's like, Oh yeah. Like I, I show up, I watch the race. I like to watch the cars go around. Hamilton's great, whatever. That's totally fine. But for me, like, I love digging into, like, all of this, like, meat and trying to figure out, like, how it all works and why things are happening the way that they're happening. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard not to, even with the Netflix series, it definitely helps. It offers a really, really wonderful insight. And it's nice that it's so, 
like, obviously these teams are hundreds of people that, you know, work week to week and day in day out to do this, but like really like the major players are three people per team. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your yep. team principal and you have your two drivers and that's sort of where we're all focused. Sort of like baseball, like everybody kind of knows like their one star pitcher, mm-hmm. but like you also have five or 10 relief pitchers and there's, you know, everybody knows the catcher, but like, there's so much more. This kind of like has a, a really narrow focus. And uh, I think when it comes down to it, it's sort of like I was saying before, I find myself caring about these guys so much more because of how life threatening this is. And like how, you know, in, in any sport, obviously athletes are constantly pushing themselves and they're training and they're working really hard. But, like, you're not going to die in track and field, you know? Right, right. And beyond that, like, there aren't many sports where you're controlling, like, half, like, this is, I think Christian Horner said it once, like, this is as close as you're going to get to man and machine Mm -hmm. working together at the absolute, like, at the edge of what's possible all the time. Right. Like it's like, okay. If uh, it's not like in basketball, if like LeBron has a bad game, like somebody at Nike gets fired because they designed the shoes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that's like, that's the other thing uh, that's yeah. crazy about F1 is like, you're like, your job is to, like design, you know, the brake ducts or the rear wing or, yeah. you know, program all the sensors on the crazy fucking steering wheel they have that yeah, looks yeah. like, that looks like you'd fly a plane with. And it's like, like that's your job there's someone's life on the line the whole team is on the line like all of the pieces have to line up tens of millions of dollars right it's like the pressure is insane you know what i mean and like all the (laughs) way down to like the guys that have to change the tires at the pit stop it's like oh yeah like all that stuff has to be perfect all the time all the time like the expectation is perfection there is like there is no oh man like i i was really you know i was really tired and you know, yeah. that's why like that, you don't get to be the tire changer in Formula One because you just applied one day. Like, <laughs> right. like you know, like that's not they, they don't just they don't just pick them, you know right. what I mean? They're not like, and hey, like, you and like 50-50, half those guys have like engineering degrees. Oh yeah. You oh, know what easily. I mean? Like For it's sure. not like it's not like they're even like oh you know you're like the best mechanic from your trade school and so you apply to work for an F1 yeah. team. It's nope. like no, you have like some crazy like engineering PhD. Yeah, and then they're like yeah. oh and by the way you're gonna drill the tires. Yeah, it's like <laughs> change the tire really fast. Yeah. how fast can you change the tire? Uh, I that's a documentary I would watch. By the way. The tire change guys. Yeah, just like a, like a pick crew yeah. documentary that just is like, how do they like you know showing them like how do they get those jobs, how they practice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like yeah. what do they do all the time? Because I feel like you know we're we're probably they're I'm sure that they do more than just change the tires. Right. Because like there are the dudes in the pit crew that like the car pulls in and they hold the car, they just put their hand on top of the car, yep. and then they let it go and the car goes. And that's it. That's their job. Like they just stand there to make sure 
and right. then and they <laughs> and they're done. The other part of those guys' job is to sit in the garage and watch the race and like react really react in big hard. ways when something happens when they're like, oh no, or like we <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> lose our minds, jump yeah. on the fence and wave. Yeah. Which I would a hundred percent do. Uh, totally. Dude, I would be so excited if I ever got the opportunity to ever wave a flag for a race. Oh my god. Yeah. Or dude, or to like if I'm hanging out in the pit and like the team wins and you get to go jump on the fence and shake your arm at them, awesome. You bet I would take that opportunity. Yeah. Or if they like get on the podium and you get to like crowd around them and they like jump on top of everybody and you're just Hell like, yeah, dude. Yeah. You shout a champagne, you betcha. I'm yeah. in. I am there. I am there immediately. I would like to also be the person who works for Mercedes who just one time gets to stand on the podium because Hamilton won another race and accept the constructors and just be like, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. They're just like, they're like, who hasn't done it yet? Like, You're right. Tim, Tim, Ryan, get on, get on the podium. <laughs> just go, go. We're running behind. Go, 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 go. It'll be fun. Wait, me, me. I make the coffee. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Go, go. It's fine. Get the trophy. This is 91st First. win. That's fine. Yeah, we literally have nowhere else to put the trophies. Just right. take it. Just take it home. It's fine. <laughs> you want to get into six? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can get into six. Because the opening of six is heartbreaking to me. Yeah, set, set it up. Dude, they just open it on a destroyed Red Bull and then another destroyed Red Bull and another destroyed Red Bull. And every one of them is Pierre Gasly last year just having the worst half of a season of his life mm -hmm. and seeing how frustrated he is and how upset he is. Like it's, I'm so happy that he didn't get kicked out entirely and that they didn't uh, do to him what they did to Albon uh, where it's just like, whatever, but at least like, I hate to say it, but at least he got just demoted to alpha Tauri. Mm -hmm. But man, he made the absolute most of that and had a, I mean, I think he had his first podium, but who were they before they were alpha Tari? Who were they at the end of last year? Uh, um, uh, or the end of 2019? Toro Rosso. Rosso. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Red, Red um, Bull in Italian. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I think he got his first podium with Toro Rosso. I think so. That sounds right. And then, comes in to 2020 in Alpha Tauri with just like this unbelievable new drive and wanted nothing more than to drive for Red Bull again. Like just wanted another shot with Red Bull. So it's like, you know, from the perspective of watching the season, and we see him like have this come up and it's like, he's racing for Alpha Tower and he's doing really well and he's performing regularly, like really well regularly. And then, you know, he gets that win. He gets a win. Mm -hmm. Like Pierre Gasly in an Alpha Tower, won a race. And that is just absolutely extraordinary. Man, it hurts to see Albon get run over again. Mm -hmm. Like, well, just to be another, another second Red Bull driver who gets just, who just can't get it together, can't pull it together, can't do it. And then also know that Pierre Gasly is fighting so hard to be back in a Red Bull seat 
and he doesn't get it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other important thing that I like that they had as a reminder uh, as part of like Gasly's mindset is uh, talking about Antoine uh, Hubert's death. Oh, yeah, man. You that know, was heavy. and how like him getting moved out of that Red Bull seat happened like a couple weeks after after I that. thought it was the I thought it was the same. Was it the same weekend? I think his first weekend with Alf, uh, with Toro Rosso was the same weekend that Antoine Hubert was killed. Okay. And like, they I were think. really, cl- they were really close. Oh, they were roommates. Right. They were like, and they've known each other since they were like nine. Yeah. Um, so like for the, for most of their lives, they've been incredibly close friends and you know, I can't like, I just can't imagine the toll that that takes on somebody who's already like struggling and yeah. like, you know, cause your confidence is already wrecked. Then you have all this grief and like, you know, your friend died doing the same thing that you're doing. Yeah. So it, it's not yeah. even like literally the day, the day before you have to do it in a faster car. Right. Your friend died in a, in a equally incredible, but slower, not as incredible right. car. You know what I mean? Like you, like you have to go do the exact same thing on the exact same track and, the, and drive past that exact same spot. Yeah. And it's what 60 I, times. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you do that mental. Like it, it really is like the toll that that takes and the amount of like emotions you have to work through to get that done. I I just can't imagine. And so for him to spend all of 2020 every chance that he got like performing his ass off, just doing I mean, a better performance than we've ever seen from him. And like I I got really emotional when he he won. I got emotional watching that win again in this year in like you know in in this episode yeah um it just yeah. it just really hits me and, and now like he's it, it's so interesting like watching a sport like this where we've talked about before you know i basically root for anybody who's not hamilton at this point <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like i, I get I, it i, I get love it. verstappen but like i want all these guys to do well like i want everybody yeah. to get a win at some point you know yeah. i i want um you know i want um everybody to get a podium you know i want kevin magnuson to get a podium for haas you know what i mean like i would love for that to happen right um right you know and so like i feel like just going through this experience like watching him go through it like i want to be a pierre gasly fan for the rest of his career like anytime something good happens to that guy i'm going to be like hell yeah gasly like you deserve it you like have been through hell and you never gave up you just kept fighting and you know, as, and he man, did he fight hard? Man, yeah. did he fight hard? You know, and it's and I'm not I'm not going to say that Albon wasn't fighting as hard. You know, I think their situations were a little bit different, where Albon had higher expectations to face with. I think he had a tougher car to drive. Like I honestly, like Christian Horner comes really close to saying it that like the the car's pretty challenging this year. It's a little harder this year than it was last year. And yeah. I'm like that car, like that Red Bull car, feels like like a rubber band that is pulled as tight as possible and you make one small mistake and you're just fucked, you know? And like, isn't it one of the guys in here too? Like one of the, the journalists, the F1 journalists, I think, um, or maybe it was you. I don't know. I I recall somebody saying like, maybe that car is designed for Max Verstappen Mm -hmm. and they expect whoever the second is 
Do you remember, was that in the episode or was that you? Uh, I feel like we, I mean, I've definitely heard that a couple of times throughout last season. So I feel like yeah. I probably got it from a bunch like, of the that might just be, Yeah, it might just be like another Max Verstappen car mm-hmm. that Alex Albon is being expected to drive. And like, I mean, we said it before too about him. I think Alex Albon's a great driver. I mean, all things considered, that dude is... And I mean, like, you know, he has some bad luck in the car. If the car breaks, I don't blame him for it. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, especially when Lewis Hamilton takes him out twice when he should have gotten two podiums, Mm -hmm. you can't blame him for it. But I mean, when the dude is finishing fifth or sixth and that's not good enough, it's like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How hard that is. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, like an Albon is so young. And again, I, I definitely think the car being basically designed for Max Verstappen, there's something that happens in, that we see in episode eight, I think, uh, which is like the McLaren episode. And they're showing um, uh, Carlos Science, like they're comparing his practice laps to Lando's practice laps. And they're like, you can see here, like, you know, Lando's breaking here, you're breaking here. And they're like, it's not like we want you to drive like Lando, but we want to figure out how to get you to be at least as fast as Lando or, you know, whatever they're saying. And it's the same thing. It's like, like maybe Red Bull is expecting people to drive exactly like Max Verstappen, but like Verstappen is basically what amount, the closest thing you get to a prodigy in motorsport. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's a freak. He's, I mean, we've said it before probably within the last couple of episodes of this podcast, <laughs> the minute that Hamilton retires, Max Verstappen wins the championship. Right. If not sooner. Yeah. 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 You know, very true. Um, like the minute Hamilton retires, Verstappen dominates the sport for the next, you know, five seasons, but yeah, for as much as he wants. Right. Um, you know, dude, and- could you imagine? Oh my God. I just had this weird vision of what Toto's face would look like if Hamilton was still driving for Mercedes, like if this season Max Verstappen starts beating the Mercedes cars and like is in the leads in the lead in the points, could you imagine what Toto's face would look like? It'd be like that meme of the kid that's sitting at the desk with all the veins pumping out of his face. <laughs> like, like that'd be him every well, week. Can you imagine if Red Bull gets like a one, two finish in like Bahrain? Holy shit. I would panic. I would panic. I would throw something. I don't know yeah. what, but like yeah. something would get thrown somewhere. Yeah. I, um, there's a, <laughs> this is just a really random example, but in uh, the, the Lego movie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love where this is going already. <laughs> uh, Liam Neeson voices a, a cop Lego. Uh, and he's like just really angry all the time and every time he gets angry he just like picks up a chair and like throws it and like the one time like a guy like one of the other cops like gives him bad news or whatever and like the guy like starts running away and the uh like leaving he's like he picks up the chair and he throws it like a, like a football field length and like hits the guy as he's running <laughs> i feel like that's what total wolf would do 100 percent. yeah he just starts ripping apart like the little booths that they sit in he just starts ripping shit out of it and throwing things everybody's like oh shit he he beats someone to death with his little scooter (laughs) (laughs) you're one of the tire guys you wham take your helmet off 
<laughs> like Jerry, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, but <laughs> it's gonna be great. Like I'm so looking forward to the season because I have no idea what the hell's gonna happen. No, uh, and the next it? season when all the specs change. Like 2022 is, is still also going to be crazy. That's um, there's so much to think about for 2022. Like yep. that's just there's so much I can't even get into it right now. Yeah, I'm, we, we um, shouldn't because there's so too much. much. Yeah, the other thing I want to talk about in the context of this episode, and it comes up all the time in F1, but it's not something I personally think about is mm-hmm. driver nationalities. So like because there are no American drivers in F1. It's like occasionally right. there's a Canadian, occasionally there's a Japanese driver. Yeah, Mario um, Andretti for a little bit. Right, like there there have been American drivers, but I don't expect to see an American. Yeah, no. So like I sort of treat F1 the way that when I watch the Olympics and it's like, you know, a sport America doesn't do well in, I'm like, oh, cool, like a French guy won or like, oh, cool, like, you know, yeah, yeah. an Italian guy won. But like, I think it's easy for me to forget how much like Gasly winning means to a French Formula One fan. Like, even if they're not like all in on AlphaTauri, like maybe they are, you know, a Red Bull fan, but like Gasly as a Frenchman winning is like huge. You know what I mean? Like I, it's like, I can't even describe it because I don't know what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could see it when uh, I remember like on Instagram and stuff when, last year he won and like every newspaper and magazine in france and like news station was like fucking pierre won you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. everybody freaked out and that's so cool like it's so cool and especially for him to kind of have that come up and and really you know have that pressure off of him and just be able to focus on performing and and having a good car like Alpha Tauri had a great season. They looked really good, all mm-hmm. things considered. Um, and he just, you know, he uh, he really did. He did great. And like to anybody who hasn't seen the episode yet, who might be listening to this, or anybody who has, uh, once in a while, just go like when you're feeling down, go back and watch him win that race, like yeah. the footage of him winning, because like the raw motion of him freaking out you know you see lewis win every week and he's like oh great job guys that was a no, hard one L- lewis like, is like oh, oh, oh that that was the last lap oh i, I oh, lost count cool. yeah yeah okay we're done now yeah but for ghastly to like lose his mind and then just kind of like sit and hang his head on the podium and just like soak that moment in it's so much you know what i mean like and it's so like it's it's insane how much these moments mean to these guys and like and, and because I, like, I mean you can be you can be a really not to cut you off you can be a really good f1 driver for like your whole life and never win a race that, that's what i was gonna say the only thing that you can do that's better than winning a race is winning a championship and there's not that many champions you know like world champions there's a lot of guys who are great drivers who only have a couple podiums yeah you know and i feel like this is a again from like remembering back to when we watched those uh older races in the gap last year yeah. you know it you can really break the whole sport down into like the dominant people of a certain era like it maybe it's one or two drivers going back and forth sometimes it's just like one driver that is just oh, yeah. schumacher dominant. for a while and then right. for a while and then yep. hamilton for a while 
Um, and like when you stack that up against the fact that there's, you know, 19 other drivers out there uh, or more, if you go back <laughs> into earlier seasons, like it's a huge, like, like I said, the only thing that you can do better than winning a race in F1 is winning a championship at F1 and winning a race is really fucking hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. You know, like, that's the thing, like, uh, you know, because I know a lot of people who watch a lot of sports that are not auto racing. So I'm always trying to like compare, you know, kind of get them into it a little bit. And it's like, you know, you get disappointed if your football team has a losing record. Like they play 16 games and they go like, you know, uh, eight and eight. And you're like, oh man, the season yeah. sucked. Yeah. Like, you know, it. like if they, if they win half the time, the season sucked. And it's like, yeah. Man, if you're an F1 driver and you finish every race, like that's something to be proud of. That's amazing. Like if you finish in the top 10, like some of these guys, I mean, not some of them, all of them every week. If like these midfield cars are like, we got seventh, like, yeah. woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> they freak out. They're like, oh, we did it. Like, that's so cool. Um, I'm actually watching now, uh, you know, the, the race where Pierre wins and uh, it's done in the background and, and it's cool too, to see like these guys, like, cause Leclerc crashed out of the race uh, that Pierre won mm-hmm. and he crashes and Leclerc is like, or Pierre's like, is he okay? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they all still want to know like, Oh, is he getting there? Like, yeah, he's getting out. I'm like, okay, cool. Anyway, like moving on. And uh, this is the race too, that Hamilton screwed up, went into the pit lane early and everybody <laughs> threw their hats in the ring of like immediately punish him. And they gave him like a 10 second penalty, which is insane. That is but insane. like, he's also Lewis Hamilton. I like that the reasoning for him getting a 10 second penalty is he should have known better. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> seems valid to me. That's the, I, I feel like that's exactly the way that like, you know, when I was a kid, my parents would dole out punishments. Like, look, your punishment's oh, yeah. extra bad because we know that you know better. <laughs> yeah yeah uh and honestly i think again like we talked about with like all all the, all the drivers should switch teams every race i feel like hamilton should get like a 10 second penalty every other race <laughs> <laughs> well they keep talking about reverse grid you know what i mean they oh, keep yeah. talking about yeah. the reverse grid which i mean i think would make things wildly dangerous when you have like a Haas or a Williams car and driver at the front and then like a Mercedes and a Red Bull flying through the pack to get to them. Yeah. I mean, I think if all the drivers are practicing safe driving and they are actually like getting out of the way when a clearly faster car is coming up behind them, it it should be okay. I mean, yeah, but with with the driver whose name that we won't say who drives for Haas out there on the track this season. Yeah. I I don't know, like an absolute danger to everyone else on the track. But I mean, hey, dude, even those first couple turns are terrifying. That's true. But uh, yeah, man, it's so cool because uh, I mean, Carlos Sainz is right behind him. This whole like those you remember those last ten laps when mm-hmm. Carlos was like catching him in McLaren, like just slowly creeping up on him and getting closer and like, closer. That's one of those races where I was like standing in my living room yeah like shouting at like 11 o'clock in the morning whatever it was yeah at the top of my lungs like freaking the fuck out i mean how do you not how do you not was it yeah it was oh my god and like 
and that's all anybody was paying attention to. Like nobody cared about any other driver. It was like signs coming up on Gasly and just every single corner. It, he was just getting closer and closer. And like neither of those dudes have ever won and they yep. both badly wanted to win a race. Mm-hmm. And like, it's heartbreaking to see either one of them lose, you know, like, yeah, it was just such a, Oh God, such a good last, like 10 laps. It's, and it's so, it's so emotional too. Cause like drive to survive is great. Cause they're showing you the people in the pits watching the race and they're showing you the reactions of everyone. And then everybody runs out to the fence and he turns that last corner and every, it's just like, it's so emotional to see him pull that race off in the fashion that he did. Yeah. It's, it's like a great sports movie, honestly. Like that's, that's what it feels like, but it's, it's real. You know what I mean? Which makes it even more like emotional. Yeah. Um, so and anything else about this episode you want to touch on before we wrap up? I mean, no, pretty much the whole, I was just live commentating watching the end of the race. Because I love it so much. I'm sorry. I took over. Um, yeah, no, I think that uh, five and six are both great. And uh, I love Pierre's come up. And, you know, I can't wait to see him keep racing. I can't wait to see what Alpha Tauri does this year. And uh, I like Albon a lot. I hope I hope that kid finds a seat somewhere in the future, for sure. Yeah, same. And uh, I will say, just... Just a tease for next time. Episode seven is called Gunther's Choice. And uh, it is, it's a fascinating episode. And then knowing that uh, it doesn't even cover uh, Grosjean's uh, fiery crash that we had talked about last time. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's going to be an emotional rest of the season. So I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you about them in our, in our next couple episodes, which you know, ideally we'll have these all wait. out uh, within the first week or so of the series debuting. So yeah, I can't wait. And in the meantime, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, we are at F yeah F one Pod on Instagram and Twitter, uh, or you can email us at fyf one at gmail dot com. And as always, uh, stay tuned with the other uh, Movie John podcast uh, podcast shows. There's a lot of great ones. Uh, Butter with that. I love. I like to movie movie. Those guys are great. Um, who else do we got on there? Uh, hey, watch uh, great watch. Hey, watch great watch is great. Uh, oh, best friends pod. Uh, yes. Rosalie and Katie's new one. That one's hilarious, it's, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I have to say because I know that she probably won't listen to this, uh, even though she <laughs> she she would give me credit for it. Uh, they just put out their second episode and I was like, you should start every start and end every episode by like picking up and then hanging up the phone. So it's like, we're like calling in to like Beautiful. their sleepover. Uh, and so, like the new episode starts with the phone ring. And I was like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> awesome. Well done. Well done. That's um, a good, that's a good stuff. But hearing, hearing the two of them talk about like how much they're crushing on like Ski Ulrich or like Keith <laughs> Ledger. It's just, it's really fun and like very it's silly. Wonderful. It's adorable. It's it's a great show. Highly recommended. Yeah. Uh, oh, Killer Bees, sure. Garrett and Tori, they just started a new podcast. Yeah, man, about B-movies. Which yeah, is, and like B-movie actors. So like they're going yeah. through like John Saxon's filmography and like talking about a bunch of movies that he's in that they love. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great stuff on uh, Movie John Podcast Network. Yeah, so check it all out at moviejohn.com. And then you can download those podcasts on the movie john website or like you can subscribe to them just like you would any other podcast they're all out there and searchable 
Uh, and then, you know, again, if you're enjoying them, you can let us know either on our social media. You could also leave any of those shows a review and a rating on like iTunes, which is still like a huge way for people to discover a podcast. So, you know, if there's any podcast you like, I would definitely recommend going to do that because it helps everybody out. And it's such a cool feeling when you go and you check and you're like, oh, we got more ratings. We got more reviews. Like people are are checking out the show. So, uh, that's what's up. you know, any podcast will tell you like that's just a great feeling. And uh so if you enjoy podcasts, you know, show them a little back, a little love back. It's it's free, you know. Like oh, you yeah. don't have to do everything else. It's, it's free. It takes a couple minutes. So, uh, but until then, uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. This has been uh, FDF one. FDF.